welcome back to another episode of CQP Moments. As always, I am your host, the Coupon Queen Femme. Guys, oh my gosh, this is part two of the amazing interview with Mr. James C.B. Gray and all of his amazing black history information plus more. So let's take a moment out and I'll be right back with James. The world's greatest, call me the world famous EPMD and one, the headbanger Putting on a show for all of the spectators I spent too much time in my life addressing haters I'm Randy Savage, I'm not even average You need I've literally converted all my social media platforms to teaching Black history 365 days a year This is my, this is my 11th year of doing wow. that Wow, wow Okay, 11th year straight Um and it's only going to get bigger and better. You know, there's several uh, elementary, middle schools, high schools, and colleges that, um, you know, te- or, uh, teach my uh, Black history curriculum on a daily basis. Okay. You know? okay. And I'm, I'm in the process of doing a calendar and a book with that. You know, I'm also writing another book right now called uh, Becoming a Classic Man. And, uh, nice, nice. That book is going, that book is really, the blueprint for young black males to want to succeed in life. And it takes so much, you know, and, you know, classic man is like one of my hashtags. A lot of people know me as the classic man um, because of the way I dress and carry myself. But okay. Yeah. Is- talking about the way you dress, uh, sir, who came in with the fur, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> for those that haven't, don't know what I'm talking about, definitely check out my Instagram. I think because your, your, your picture is actually the first one on that collection of pictures. Oh, wow. Okay. And, okay, I, and I just good. happened to catch you and I was like, oh my gosh. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, I'm gonna tell you, classic man is a, is a state of mind, even before the song came out. And you know, a lot of people like, yo, I said, no, I was classic man before that song came out, <laughs> you know? But, you know, I, just, I love the fact that it was made and it inspired a lot of people. If you look back, right, in the, 19, uh, in the, 1990, the early 90s was the time when African-Americans had the highest level of college registration. Yes. And one of the biggest reasons for that was you had shows like The Cosby Show, you had shows like A Different World, which gave you an actual bird's eye view of Black college campuses. Right. And there was right. like no discussion about where we're going. You know, we want to be a part of this. Right. That was you the thing because everyone wanted to go to an HBCU. Oh, man. And it was like, you know, and the funny thing is, this was something that was ingrained. We knew what yeah. this was. It- and people were like, <laughs> well, what the heck is an HBCU? And it's like, as historically black colleges and universities like everybody knows everybody wants Mm -hmm. to go there you know and I mean even for when we talk about sororities and fraternities like you know legacy because that's who you had some parents some aunt some someone somewhere saying okay yeah when you get here you're going to be this yeah yeah you know you you, we were more groomed for that than now and that's such a a disadvantage man like i couldn't even imagine like when i when i was growing up 
I wanted to go to Howard University so bad. Like, so I mean, that was even like when I finally, uh, and you know what? The one of the things I always regret is not being able to. When I came out of the um, basic training in the army, I would, I you know, I had my, I was all ready to go, signed up and everything, and then my father passed away, and I had to go back home and help my mother raise seven children. You know what I'm saying? And just thinking like I was so close to going to Howard University, and this happened, and I was like devastated. You know what I'm saying? I jumped, I just came from the army and basic training you know, ready to serve my country, but they paying for my college and they said, I can go anywhere I want to go. I want to go to Howard. This was right up my alley. It was perfect opportunity. Then when my father passed away, I said, man, but I knew that I had the, you know, a responsibility to my family and my brothers and sisters who to this day thank me, you know, for being a father figure to them when my father passed away. You know what I'm saying? So I, I you know, as much bad as I wanted to go to Howard, I'm glad I was able to help my mother be strong and to, you know, be a father to my brothers and sisters who've all, all um, nine of us have graduated from college now successfully. Wait, 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 hold the press. You said nine? <laughs> nine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now my mother and father wanted 10 children. Oh, my they father, wanted 10, okay. Yeah, they, that, my father passed away right, right after the ninth. And um, he, you know, we all got the same mother, same father, names out the Bible. We were, we were like the Cosby show. Right. But and a I, little I, more like, yeah, we, no, we but got, I, we I got think, whoopings. I think, and, and, and that's what, what made the Cosby show so great was there were, everyone could relate. Yeah. It was, it was our family. It was telling mm -hmm. the story because before then, if you remember the, Basically, what what did we have? We had we had the Jeffersons, which seemed unattainable, and yeah, we had yeah. we had slapstick comedy like Good Times, which was okay, but it wasn't. Now everywhere. hold on, hold on, oh, this is, um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, there's a brother by the name of Eric Monte. Oh, so when we get off the phone, I'm gonna send you a link. When you watch this interview, you're going to be in tears. That brother, Eric Monte, is the guy that actually created uh, Good Times. He created the Jeffersons. He created um, What's Happening. And the movie Cooley High was his life story. This brother is living in a homeless shelter in Los Angeles, California right now. Okay. So we got to understand that he built, created legacy TV shows that are making trillions of dollars right now. And there's a guy by the name of Norman Lear, who's right. a billionaire right now mm -hmm. because of everything this black man wrote. You see what I'm saying? Everything this black man wrote made this white man, Norman Lear, a billionaire. But the black man that created all this got robbed so bad. And is living in a homeless shelter. He's in a homeless shelter right now. This is so crazy. And, and this you know is what, what I mean is our stories 
are not, again, I will say they are so interwoven. They're so, you know, and, and I, I say this because you and I just had a conversation in passing by chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it was, uh, which, which I, I still feel I have to redeem myself for that bad singing of. Uh, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it was, listen, you, you rose to the occasion. That's another thing that we need to start doing as a people. Even if you're not the best, you still stood up and, and said, listen, I, I, you know, I know this, I could do this. And to the youth, a lot of times they don't even want to attempt. They don't even want to try, you know? So we never really know their true potential because right. they don't have the ambition to even want to succeed. Right, so, right, like, right. You know, sometimes you could do something and it could be funny. And they say, wow, there's, they, you know, just to get up there is so much. Yeah, you know I mean? well, so I, I will I tell you, I was that. a bundle of nerves. So for those of you <laughs> who are, who listen to Shower Karaoke, because I do have a show called Shower Karaoke. Okay, uh, okay. Very, very often are fans of the show. I, I, I did, I did a, a, a really not so great version of Lift Every Voice and Sing, um, only because I was really, really nervous and I just couldn't let the moment pass. I was like, wait a minute, no one's raising their hand for this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, so I'm thank I thank you for doing that. You know what I'm saying? I didn't, you know, that's what I that's what I remember. <laughs> getting up. <laughs> Everything else, <laughs> you know. So we, we gotta get more into, you know, influencing the youth. Right. Now. And I think I think that's really what it is. It's because and, and that's what I was saying to myself is that, you know, there are a bunch of young ladies in the back of this room and someone needs to be a voice for them. Yes. And, and that's really what it is, is knowing that at this moment, someone is watching you. Someone is, you know, and, and this is the one thing that my mother and my father both put in me is when I had my son, it was like, say this name over and over, scream this name, because this is the name you're going to be yelling for at least 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, that's true. You know and, and you have to be the person that you want them to be, because this person is not going to be a little person all the time. They're not going to be a baby all the time. So that's if right. you want to be this, this person that's looking at you to be a functioning viable human being you have to be that functioning viable human being and that's really what it was so yeah yeah, yeah. Now, let me tell you like having nine or uh, having eight brothers and sisters um i was the second oldest you know but since, since my older sister was a female like i i always you know took on the reign as as the oldest and in charge because my mother knew that I had a, a good moral compass at a very young age. And that, that really came from, I had a lot of responsibility as a child um, to the point where when I tell children what I did when I was their age, they can't even understand what I'm talking about. You know, my father used to own a couple of buildings and my father would be off to work in the morning. I would go to those buildings, sweep the, the hallways, mop the floors, take out the garbage. And I would, I would run the boiler systems for these buildings too. Like you wouldn't have no heat if I didn't do it wow. when I was doing at eight years old. You see wow. what I'm saying? So I made, that was a job for me to get up every morning at five o'clock 
go to these buildings, clean them, set the boilers, the whole alarm panel. When the firemen used to come, they could, they like, yo, man, we don't know how to operate this panel. And I'm like, okay, I open it up. And I'm an eight-year-old <laughs> showing them how this whole thing works. You know, I never really knew how overwhelming that responsibility was because I, I was always, I was so good at it. And I always wanted to, to do whatever it took to, to please my parents and show them that I could handle responsibility. You know what I'm saying? Even before the outside influence of me doing what I wanted to do or thinking it was all about me, I had a sense of understanding about how this whole thing worked on a grand scheme. Not only was I doing what I had to do, but once again, all my brothers and sisters were always watching me. That's something, you know, we was, let me tell you, my parents was, my parents were psychologists, like, you know, in a, in a whole nother sense. If anything happened, the oldest would, would, would get in trouble, okay? And everybody's getting a whooping, but the oldest one, which was me, and that's what I always took responsibility. It ain't happening on my watch, okay? Right. Never. And right. It, was, it was really, the, it, was, it was really, I had a, a zero tolerance level for that. Number one, I didn't like getting ass weapons. Number two, I needed my parents to know that I could handle any responsibility they gave me, you know? And that was a personal accountability factor as a child. Right, I was the only right. kid that I was the only kid that you could send to the store with a $100 bill and bring back exact change in a receipt. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And it were, there were several elderly people who couldn't even leave their homes who called my mother every day. Oh, can, can James um, go to the store for me? You know what I'm saying? And I, on exactly. several occasions, I've had $100 bills and, and a lot of responsibility. And every time I, I made it happen. Those small goals yeah. turned into me literally moving mountains right now. Right, and people say, right. How, how, how are you able to do this? And I say, man, if you knew what I was doing as a child, you could easily understand how I'm doing what I'm doing now. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and for those of you that don't, okay, I have to say this for Gen Zers and millennials. <laughs> we weren't freely given $100 bills uh, or, and we, we debit cards weren't a thing then. So yeah. you had to know, yes, you had to count change. You had to come back. And it had to be right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, when he, yeah. you're saying, because I know you're saying like a hundred dollar bills, and people are like, yeah. So what's no, what's no, that? that was a you lot know? of money. That was a lot of money. <laughs> yes, that was a like a lot of money. And you know, I got some of these elderly people. They didn't have nobody else. They couldn't say, oh well, I'll get changed. No, they was like, this is all I have. I'm, I'm, I'm begging you, please. You know, I said, don't worry, I got you. You know. What, when, now, I used to clean the buildings, take out the, take the, now the garbage pails for the buildings were like taller than me at the time. Take, bring them out to the curb. After that, I would do my paper route, the, the, the newspapers, <laughs> and then I would go to school. So when I get home from school, I'm at the uh, supermarket bagging groceries, like, you know, all night, you know. I made enough money to where my father got laid off of work. I was able to subsidize his pay to support the family. Wow. Wow. You know, wow. and at, uh, until now, I can't even, I can't even imagine any, any child 
even wanting to do that or understanding that responsibility level. Yeah, understanding that responsibility, because it is, it is a big responsibility, but we yeah. were taught the responsibility of family. We were yeah. taught the responsibility of family. So yeah, because as an oldest child, I, I, I trust me, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm saying all this just to give people an idea of, you know, because that when children have responsibility, it builds character. Okay, it builds, you know, their self-esteem and it builds them up as people. You know, when you start, when you take children, that's why I'm always uh, looking for children to be part of these programs that are volunteering to see that, you know, there's, there's other people that, that, that need help. You, it's not all about you. You know, when your child thinks it's all about them and they get spoiled and all of those morals and values go out the window, you know what I'm saying? And we got it. We don't understand. I mean, I know every everybody wants the best for their child, but you don't. You right. all that child always has to have a moral compass of understanding that it's not all about you. There are people right now that are doing are less fortunate than you, and that need help. And if you can help them, you should be trying to do everything you can to facilitate that. You, you know what I'm saying? Like I, my father was the president of our block association when I was a child. You know, I was a part of the first black mayor in the state of New York state history ever campaign. A brother by the name of um, Ronald Blackwood, he became the first black mayor of Mount Vernon, New York. Right. I was, I was a part of his campaign as a kid. Oh, wow. Wow. You know, I was, I was on the street team, you know, and I organized yeah. about 20 other kids who passed out flyers and he even highlighted us when he got elected. But that was the first before Mayor Dinkins, Mayor Ronald Blackwood and Mount Vernon became the right. first black mayor in New York state history yes. ever. Yes. yes. So I was a part of that. And I didn't realize for years later how big that was as making history, you know, and I went on to make history about five other times in my life, but it's always come in the midst of doing something that's on a greater scale and that's helping others. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Well, I have to say, thank you. Thank you for, <laughs> no, I mean, because one thing is to do the work when you're in the work, you don't realize that you're doing it and you're making such yeah. a huge impact. So thank you. Thank you for not only, thank you for being in the third grade and realizing that there needed to be more than three black heroes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and even taking on Arc of Justice and, and, and going there and taking on Street Corner, it, it's just, again, meeting people where they are, yeah. leaving that legacy and not creating a program that's not doing anything. <laughs> you know, so yeah. thank you. Thank you for that. Honestly, oh, yeah. thank, thank you, you for that. So yeah. if, as we wrap this up, what is one thing that you want to leave people with? Uh, man, that, that's, that's hard because there's so much. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I always want to encourage people to look beyond yourself and find out what you can do to help others. Anybody, I don't care who it is, you know, I, like I said before, by me helping others, I've never, ever had to go without. Things dropped out of the sky on several occasions that I wasn't even expecting, but I know it's directly 
as a direct result of me helping somebody else. You know, I'm I'm always campaigning for that. Like that more compass is, is big for me. And I'm always trying to get people, you know, a lot of great people, when they help others, the one time some sometimes the only thing they ever tell you is listen, pay it forward. Okay. I gave you that because at the kindness of my heart, but now when you're able to do that, you do the same thing for someone else. This is how, if everybody had the same ideology and understanding, this world will be a much better place, okay? We don't have everybody, oh, everybody's out for themselves. Everybody's trying to do for them. And if it ain't my people, I'm not interested. Okay, this is how we end up where we are now. You know what I'm saying? We don't have enough people that look at the big picture of giving. You, you actually have more than you need in order to help someone else. And if you don't understand that, now you, you, have, to, you have to understand that, you know, being greedy and selfish is an easy way for you not to get an abundance anymore. You see what I'm saying? I know people that had a lot and, and right now have absolutely nothing because they didn't help anybody with it. Look at some of these rappers, right? Big Daddy Kane, Bought Jay-Z on stage one time. And Jay-Z wrote a rhyme a couple of years ago. He said, Big Daddy Kane is never, ever going to have to perform in his life because of that one time he bought me on stage. Wow. Wow. You see that? People don't understand. If, if, if you put other rappers on and bring other people in and pass that torch, teach others something, they're never going to forget about you. You know what I'm saying? There's a young man right now by the name of Solomon Hicks. Solomon Hicks is, was, was, was labeled by B.B. King before he died as the next guitar legacy prodigy. When Solomon Hicks was 12 years old, he was an amazing guitar player. But no, nobody would let him play because he was too young to get into these clubs. Right. Right. His, his mother saw my band. Oh, I'm also a, a professional drummer, by the way. His mother saw my band. Again, play. you know, superhero <laughs> has a secret lair somewhere. I'm not putting it past him. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, his mother saw my band play. Uh, we used to play at the Lennox Lounge, uh, at the Cotton Club, all over the place. Okay. His mother saw us play and she came up and she begged me to let her son play with us. And I said, she said, everywhere she's going, they, they won't let him play because he's underage and they serve liquor. I said, listen, bring him to my next show that I'm having on Saturday. And it was at Mobe. Remember Mobe? Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We used to play there all the time. And um, his, his mother brought him to, to Mobe to see us play. And, you know, the manager was like, hold on. Then I said, no, no, no. He's, he's with me. You know, his mother's with him. He's not drinking anything. Okay. 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 Cool. He played with us, man. Long story short, this brother open. He does uh, two shows a year for Bill Gates, private shows. Wow. Okay. He's he's one of the top guitarists at all of the top jazz festivals in in the world. Okay. It's even hard for me to get in touch with this brother sometimes. But if I didn't let him play with my band, the world would never know who he was. He ended right. up headlining at the at the Apollo 
and the Cotton Club for years. You know what I'm saying? This guy's a he's he's a legend now. And you know, in a lot all of the shows, he always talks about me giving him the opportunity. You know what I'm saying? That is uh, awesome. You know, and that's just one case. You know, but I'm always trying to pass the torch and and teach others and you know, and I'm always encouraging people. So, oh, you yeah, also ch check me out on um, all my all my social media platforms. Go under James C B Gray, okay? J A M E S C B G R A Y. And let me tell you, I always tell the youth how important it is to centralize all of your social media yes. platforms to one name that's something easy to write or easy to remember, but at least one name, okay? If you go right now on Google and type in James C.B. Gray, you'll see I got the first 10 pages, but all of, all of those things are in, right. in together. And right. on a marketing level and a branding level and a promotion level, it's so much easier. Like when your social, when your Instagram, Facebook, Twitter is all one name. Right. One name. And right. You know why? Because those people at the top, those investors and everybody are not going to, they don't have time to be looking for you. Okay. Right. And, and, and that, that is very, that is, yeah, nobody wants to look, everybody yeah. wants, they don't where have time. Are you, are you, you, are know, you here? You know, you know, you could be Julie over here, but now on over here, you're sexy, sweet, something, something. <laughs> and yeah, you know, that, that was, the how Facebook, was I supposed to know the that? Face, the Facebook debacle. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so my thing is James C.B. Gray. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, everything. And, and the worst case scenario, you just Google that. Um, you know, I, like I said, I'm, I'm here. I'm doing a lot. Uh, like I said, we're right now working on um, this marijuana thing. And uh, me and my team are slated to become the first black licensed uh, marijuana growers in the state of New York. So that's something really big we've been working on for a while. And it's almost here. We're waiting on our license right now. And, you know, I'm always telling, you know, get people to understand it's not so much, it's not about getting high or anything like that, you know, we really focus more on the CBD aspect of hemp as opposed to the THC that gets you high. You know, I don't do drugs, anything like that, and I don't encourage it. But what I do encourage is for people to seek alternative methods of healing um, when it comes to healing yourself or, or moving forward and, and, and having a better idea of how to live healthy. Because, you know, there's a lot of pharmaceutical companies out here and a lot of medicine. And these, a lot of these things have side effects, you know, like it's crazy to have a side effect called death. Right. Okay. Like that's crazy. All right. I'm taking medicine in order to get healthy. And one of the side effects is death. I can't take those chances with my life. And there's too many people that have, have not been as fortunate to overcome that. So I'm really more into a holistic herbal type of, uh, you know, understanding when it comes to healing, you know, uh, I don't eat meat, you know, I don't, I don't, there's a lot of things that I don't do. Um, and I'm always trying to get people to understand, man, better health is so important. I can't really stress it enough. Without your health, you have nothing. Okay. I know people that have right. actually made millions of dollars. And right now are spending that money every day trying to survive on medications and stuff mm -hmm. that, that's not even working. Mm -hmm. Just imagine you finally get your money. 
and this is how you got to spend it. Right, right. Not even, crazy. you're not even enjoying this. Okay. I know some people with a lot of money that would give up all that money just to be in the health that you're in right now. Wow. You know, so wow. when I, when we're talking about health um, on a CBD level, we got, we have 27 products on the market right now that are made of CBD and hemp, you know, and yeah. all of them yeah. are miraculous with healing and have right. no side effects. See, that's the good thing about uh, all natural things is there's no side effects. Okay. If I drink a, a, a ginger tea right now, there's no side effects with that. Right, right. See what I'm saying? And I take it back to the herbs, man. Like, I, I have a recipe that actually goes back to when my family was in slavery. Wow. You know why? There wasn't no doctors for them. Right, right. Okay, if that slave got sick, okay, uh, you have to take them down back and shoot them. As crazy and harsh as that sounds, it's that the was truth. the reality the in some cases. It's the truth. Yes. You see what I'm saying? So I'm like, they, there was no doctor for them. So they had to they had to find something that was so powerful that it could it handle the worst case scenario in a health condition situation that could affect them. Okay. Wow. So that really required putting together a concoction of herbs that can boost the immune system to ultra high levels very quickly. Right. So when a lot of people caught COVID and were scared to go to the hospital, they called me and I gave them this recipe and every single one of them made a miraculous recovery in less than 48 hours. That is awesome. That is awesome. Okay. Now so, I know how, I know how it is. Oh, so you, not, you know, after, after this, I'm hitting you up for that recipe, right? Cause, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I, the I, fam I clan calls me the black hippie. <laughs> well, let me tell you, one, one of the most, more one of the ingredients in this recipe involves Manuka honey. Okay. Now, Manuka honey is actually the only honey on the market that has healing properties. Right. Okay. Believe it or not, uh, about 80% of the honey on the market is made with, um, with the uh, hybridized bees. Right. So hybridized bees are making hybridized honey. Honey, right. Anything hybridized activates cancerous cells in the body. Mm. Okay, that's a whole other thing because I'm also, in a, a, <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm into a lot of things, but what I'm really big on is understanding. Right. And, and us being, being free thinkers that ask questions, that don't just go for whatever. You know what I'm saying? There's so many people that die every day because they did something that somebody told them to do. If you are in an equation where a pharmaceutical company has put out something that is killing people, and I'm not saying all pharmaceutical companies do this, it's just that we, 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 become, we become medically institutionalized. Ooh, say that again for the people in the back. What? Medically institutionalized. And I, I, I'm going to tell you, I've, I've, I've had so many conversations with people who have no idea. Like, for instance, right? Chemotherapy. Man, chemotherapy has a 97.9% ineffective rate. Wow. So that means that if, if I wouldn't bought a car right now and, and, and you know, 
they told me, okay, well, look, the car looks great. It looks amazing. But 97% of the people who drove this car encountered a malfunction that killed them. You wouldn't buy that car, right? You wouldn't buy the car. <laughs> exactly. So looking at chemotherapy, and a lot of people think that this is the only resource. Let me tell you something. I got a, there's a doctor right now. It's one of the top oncologists in the world. He wrote a book that can show you how to get rid of any cancer in two weeks, okay? Wow. Including brain cancer. Wow. In two weeks. Can't, see, we don't understand the construct of cancer. Let me tell you real quick. If, the, if a doctor told me right now I had cancer, you, you know what the first thing I would do? You'd definitely be looking up stuff to... Uh... Well, you know, I would have all that ready, but the first thing I would do, I would go on a 30-day fast. Mm. Because cancer grows with unnatural organisms that enter the body. Oh. So by me doing a 30-day fast, I'm starving the cancer of everything it needs to survive because it can only survive with unnatural foods and products that enter your body. So this is why I always tell people, you can't get cancer if you're eating all natural foods. It just can't happen. Right. Okay. So once you start the process of, enter, uh, of introducing unnatural foods and products to the human body, now you're activating cancer cells on a daily basis. 75% mm. of the foods that we eat are, are unnatural. God didn't make. Mm. So uh, even with the CDC just put out an article two weeks ago, they said um, millions of people are gonna be diagnosed with cancer in the next two years. You know what I'm saying? So this, the health component is something that's so serious and getting people wow. back on track. Like we, we have to get ourselves off of a lot of these foods that are addictive and that have yeah. chemicals in them that activate cancer cells and go against nature mm. of human anatomy. We're eating things that on that, man. Okay. Let me give you a scenario. There's people that come to the United States every year just to eat foods that are banned in their countries. Wow. Okay, there's a whole aspect of tourism that relies on these people who come here to eat foods that are banned in their countries because their countries have said, no, this stuff causes cancer. What are you, we're not selling this. Wow. But America, you know, if it makes money, you're gonna, you're gonna be able to get it in America. I don't care what it wow. is. Wow. That's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, it's really crazy. You know, just, I, just, I just put out a, a post. And if you see my page, my page is Black History you know, and pictures of me, but also a lot of information too. Like I just put out the information about the chemical that's, that, that's uh, is a chemical that they use in the paint thinner, that they use in 70% of, of breakfast cereals and it's killing people, especially children. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Just imagine, you know how bad paint thinner smells? Yeah. It's a chemical that they use in paint thinner that is used in breakfast. I haven't eaten breakfast cereal in about 15 years. Wow. And that's about the last time I start, you know, when I started, when I stopped drinking cow milk too. Cow milk is one of the worst things that you could take into the human body. And guess what? 
it's on a damn food pyramid. Uh, that's a whole nother discussion. We should do a health show because I do a lot with that. I see, I see, yeah. I see. Wow, you are awesome. You are awesome. So James, definitely, I have, um, yeah, I have to say I know you thank gotta you. go. I, I gotta to go too. Thank you so listen, much. Everybody hit me on Instagram, so, uh, Facebook, social media. Um, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot. I got, and we haven't even gotten to the film side of stuff yet. <laughs> I know, I know I have to have you back on. Like you're, you're, I, I swear you're like a freaking superhero. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately I'm single too, but we're talking. Oh, that, why did you have to put that? You know, you know what? My DMs are going to blow up. That man that you had on, he's single? He's single? Queen, yeah, he's Oh single? yeah, I'm single. Uh, but let me tell and you. And then you double down. Really, James? What, I'm single, but for the last two years of being single, I have been preparing myself for to be a better person and a better soulmate for someone else. And, you know, I, I'm a consultant on that level too. I consult a lot of people when it comes to relationships and personal life. And one of them, I'm a very big component on everybody preparing themselves to be better for the next person that's going to come into their life. And I'm ready, but I also help people to get ready too. So, if there's anybody out there that needs any consultation, I don't charge nobody nothing. I'm I'm a relationship uh, coach as well. You know, I, I do a lot of things, but you know, I'm I'm just really big on everybody being uh, preparing themselves for themselves first. Self love, self care, understanding, preparation. But if you if you want to be in a relationship, you have to you have to be ready. You can't come into that relationship with baggage from prior relationships you can't come in that relationship unprepared uh and unable to 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 give um the love that you want you have you have to be able to do that so for the last two years i've been preparing myself you know and just you know i know that it's going to happen when it's time you know and i tell others yo just just be prepared right right. you never know how you never know when it's going to come how it's going to come just be prepared and that's in everything in life besides just relationships right Billy Crystal was on a TV show with uh, Bill Cosby back in the 80s when, you know, Billy Crystal was coming up and Bill Cosby was like the man. And he said to him, he said, yo, man, what's some words of wisdom you can give an up and coming comedian like myself? Bill Cosby looked at him. He said, you know what? The best thing you could do is be prepared. Be ready. You know, when uh, when Aaliyah passed away, a whole lane opened up for Ashanti and Beyonce and all these people. You know what I'm saying? And they didn't know that that was going to happen. When Biggie Smalls and Tupac died, lanes opened up for Jay-Z and, and Nas and, and other rappers to have that forefront spotlight. And guess what? Those were the ones that were prepared. You know what I'm saying? So in life, right. you know, being prepared and being ready. I hate when people complain and complain and complain. And then when, when the spotlight's on them, oh, oh, I ain't know. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? That person that's, right. that, that's getting ready don't got time to complain. Right, right, right. You know what's coming. Right. We got faith in God. We got faith in ourselves enough to know. Listen, my time is coming. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's gonna have their time, especially if you're prepared for it. So I was trying to get people ready, you know, and 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 empower them, you know, to be their best in order to get the best results. You know, I know you gotta go. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. No. Oh my gosh, this is so amazing. So amazing. Man. So ladies, if you plan on hitting this man up. 
I know he gave you all his social media handles, but you better be prepared. You better have it going on and you better be looking into yourself before you slide into those DMs. <laughs> let's be real, ladies. Sometimes we do it too. But no, I mean, I, 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 you know, it's all it's all love, you know. Um I'm I'm a I'm a cool guy, you know what I'm saying? Some people are like how how can you have a relationship with everything you do? That's another key. Prioritizing. I don't care. I've 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 never been in a in a relationship that wasn't able to get adequate attention. Mm. And let me tell you, if somebody really wants to get to know you, they will make time. And sometimes when people don't understand how serious that is, people who are married with family, wife, kids, and everything actually cheat the most. And they have oh. to be more cre- they have to be more creative when it comes to making time. So mm-hmm. somebody who's in a whole marriage with a whole family, job, wife, kids, and everything can make time. If you're single, you can't talk to me about not having no. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. You know, and that's just a comparison of understanding because that, that's what happens, like, believe it or not. You know, right. those people cheat the most. But yeah, you know, time factor. Somebody wants to get to know you, they'll make time. They don't, I don't, for real. Don't never get. Don't ever let nobody tell you. I, uh, no, that's that's a polite way of people saying they're not interested. Hello. Okay. <laughs> Hello. For real. <laughs> I know you got to go. I got to go. Thanks once again. Um, if you want to bring me on to the other show, we could do that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Definitely. Definitely. All right. So guys, I hope that you have enjoyed all of this as much as I did. Oh my goodness definitely check out his Instagram and all of his social media so you can keep up with all of the amazing things that he is doing. Oh my goodness. And of course, we have to have him back at some point. But guys, as always, be good to yourselves, be good to each other, and happy shopping.